welcome to the first part of the Tune Under Pods two-part special with Western Sydney Wanderers captain Reese Williams. We talked to Reese about his early years playing football in Perth, his time at Middlesbrough, and his international career with Wales and then the Socceroos. Uh, hello and welcome to the Tune Under Pod, the original dedicated Newcastle United podcast in the Southern Hemisphere. It doesn't take much to get Newcastle fans excited these days. Maybe one win in 15 games will do it, or uh, the windows being cleaned at the stadium. That was a big one. We've all been on a bit of a high this week after the Burnley game, after we finally won a game. So today, um, myself, Bobby and Dimitri are even more excited because we've got our first podcast guest. This is a big deal. So this guest has 14 caps for the Socceroos. He has 10 caps and one goal for the Wales under-21 team. And he's got a varied career span in three continents. He started his professional career in Middlesbrough. But we'll try not to hold that against him too much. He's playing now in Australia's professional football league, the A-League. And we're delighted to welcome the current captain of Western Sydney Wanderers, Reese Williams, to the Tune Under pod. Welcome, Thank you, guys. Thank, thank you. Thank you for having me. I can't believe I'm, t- a, I'm on a, a Newcastle pod. That's, that's surprising. <laughs> I don't think there's any Borough pods in Australia, so this is the close you'll, uh, closest you'll get. Yeah, you must be desperate for talking to a smoggy, eh? <laughs> <laughs> so... What we're going to do is we're going to ask you a bit about how a young man from Perth, Western Australia, or Joondalup to be more specific, ends up playing football on Teesside in the frozen north of England. And also just have a chat about professional football in Australia in general. We've had a few questions come to the pod about that. And I know that Bobby and Dimmy have their views about that. So for the purposes of this pod, football is the one played with the round ball. Um, sometimes there's a bit of confusion in Australia about what football is, but yeah, we're not going to call it soccer here, we'll call it football. So let's start at the beginning, Reese. So I'm guessing when you were a kid, there was probably no shortage of sports to play in school. This is a pretty uh, sport, sport crazy country. So my question to begin with is what would you say the main sport in Western Australia is? Because it varies from state to state. How was it that you ended up playing football and how long did it take for you to realise you were actually pretty good and might be able to make a living out of the sport? Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a difficult one. You know, in, in WA, I think a lot of it's based around AFL, with footy. Um, and then football comes in second. Although there's more players that play it, it's just not as big, you know, with, with, with two two great AFL teams who sell out stadiums, 50,000, 60,000 each week. So it's, it's hard to battle with them. And, and with all due respect, they're doing really well and staying strong for a lot of years. But um, I grew up with a, with a football background anyway. My dad played for QPR, uh, England schoolboys. Uh, my mother played for the state, um, for the state team as well. So um, I think my granddad played as well. So I didn't have much choice, to be honest. I uh, always have football <laughs> goals in the back. So it's easier to fit football goals and AFL posts in the back garden. So I think that was a, that was yeah. a bit easier as well. Um, at school as well, it was a bit of both. I think it's more football because it's a, it's a bit safer for kids to do at school than AFL, you know. So um, I, I found my way into the game through, probably through family, to be honest. Um, a lot of my friends were playing it as well. And, um, I, I don't think I was too bad as a kid as well. So I just just kept going and going, playing for the school. And and it's a weird story because when I did hit 13, 14, I, I considered quitting and, uh, and trying 
AFL and, and I was a surfer at the time, bodyboarder. I used to love that. So as, as mm. you do, you know, growing up in Australia. So I was <laughs> yeah. on the verge of giving it up and I, I gave it one last, not one last season, but one season to see if I could in, enjoy it and, and love it again. And, and I did. And that was a year that I, I played at the highest level I could at, at 14, 15. And from there, yeah, I, at the time, my club junior had a, had a thing where if you're doing well, then there was one kid a year that they would send to, to England for trials. Okay. And I was that lucky kid one year. Um, and I went to five clubs, uh, Villa, Middlesbrough, Portsmouth, Leicester and West Brom. Two teams offered me a deal, which was Villa and Middlesbrough. And one team were said they couldn't compete with the others. So they just left me to it. So, um, which was great, you know. At the time, it was it was they both they were they still are big clubs, but they were both were big clubs back then. And Middlesbrough always had that edge of pushing players through, and and their training ground was completed. Whether the Villas were still in the old one, and and completed it a few years later. So my decision was based on the training ground, the players that had came through, and and also the the Aussie influence at, at Middlesbrough. Um, yeah. At the time, Viduka v- was there, Swartzer was there, Brad Jones was there. Luke Wiltshire used to play there, Paul Ocon, um, to name a few, you know. So I felt like that was my way forward and signed on the dotted line and, and ended up ha- having a career there for 12, 13 years. So, so that um, was, what, what year was that? That would have been mid-2000s? 2004, I think. Yeah, it rings a bell around that time. I'm not too sure now. I'm getting a bit older now, so you forget a few things, don't you, fellas? <laughs> Your memory's going So. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, it was it was a long career, and I've only been away from the club now. I think it's this is my sixth year away, so um, I yeah. still still like to check on him, and I've got a few friends there. Even though I had a pretty checkered injury past mm. there, and so I'm probably better friends with the physios and the players. So it speaks <laughs> a lot. So um, yeah, now I'm here, and I love it here. And in between Saudi Arabia was there, and and Australia again. So um, yeah, I'm I'm back so- home now and enjoying it. I was actually going to ask about that Aussie link at Middlesbrough as well. Is that something that was done on purpose, or I was wondering if they had scouting over here or anything, or whether it just it just happened that way? Well, it was funny actually because Kenny Lowe, I think, was was the there was the way in. He's from a he's a Geordie as well, isn't he? But he he had good contacts around Middlesbrough, um, and I think that was my way in actually. So it was um, it was a strange one that it came back around and, and I played under him at at Perth glory as well. So no, I don't think there was anything like that. I think it was just, I don't know, certain nationalities get attracted to certain places and that was certainly one of them. So 2004, was that Steve McLaren was the first team manager at that point? Yeah, he was a, he was a gaffer. Um, in the second or third year we're there, I was there. We were in the UEFA cup final as well, which was a brilliant experience to go, to go. Um, and watch that. Although the, the day didn't turn out great, I think I think the team got beat three nil, maybe maybe even four. I think it was four. Um, yeah. Four, yeah. Four, I think. So for for them to be at, at that stage was was unbelievable. And to see it as a kid, it just it just drove you on. Steve McLaren's got a different um, bit of a different reputation among Newcastle fans. He didn't have a great time great time with us, but I think there's absolutely no doubt in the job he did at Middlesbrough. He was fantastic, you know. And then fair play to him, he went off to, to the Netherlands after that and won the won the league there. So yeah. he's clearly he was clearly a good coach and he was very well respected at that time after working for Man United. Did you actually play under him in the first team then, Reese, or was he gone no, by the time I never, you broke into the first team? 
Yeah, I never played under him. I, I was a good. I was trained with him fairly, fairly regular, but he wasn't there that, that long before I left. Um, and then after that came in was Southgate. I'm pretty sure Southgate took over, um, yeah. and that's where I got that's where I got my debut under. So um, it was good to first of all train alongside him, and then mm. to be coached by him as well and be given my debut by him. It was um, it was it was brilliant. Gareth Southgate, is he, as he appears, because um, he just seems like a, a nice guy, but he seems to have, he was obviously a very experienced player and he seems to have that bit of steel about him as well. Did you, did you ever see what he would go on to achieve when you, were, when you knew him and you were working with him? He's been fantastic for England, uh, more in terms of his personality and, and the culture he's set around the, mm. the national team, maybe, and obviously results have been good on the pitch as well, but... Did you kind of env- envisage that for him when you were when you knew him? Yeah, of course. You know what type of player he was. You know, he gave everything on the pitch. He was a leader, and he's taken that into the management side of him. I think it was pretty. Um, it was pretty sad the way he 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 left Middlesbrough at the time. I know we got relegated the, his first year, but in the Championship, <clears throat> I think we we're sitting third or fourth um, after a few games, and I think it was the fact that the the crowds were down that. That went against him. So, but you see, you know, it's, it's no coincidence that he's gone on to 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 be a well-respected name in the game on the other side. You know, not only a player but a manager. And you see how well he's doing, how respected he is. And he's a man manager. He's a leader. And uh, you want to join him. You know, you want to play for him, and you want to fight. You want to go through brick for walls for him. So, it's no surprise where he is. Lovely, lovely, lovely man. You know, if I bumped into him now, I'm sure. You remember the days that, that I played under him. You know, he's one of them that, that will always give you the time of day. It's it's really is impressive what he's done with England. Uh, like I was saying, it's kind of the culture he's set, and the, I think he understands that PR part of that job as well. So that's that's extremely important, almost as important as the getting the tactics right on the pitch and everything. And he's just done that so well. So it's good to hear your um, memories sort of resonate with that as well. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant man, manager. You know, and, and it's and it's showing now. You know. Um, heard of anyone speak a bad word about him and nor should they you know it just speaks volumes of the man he is I was going to ask what what were your main memorable um, experiences playing for Middlesbrough then Uh, my debut was always my debut was always great Um, Yeovil in the cup it was um, in the Premier League days sitting on the bench at Anfield was always nice Um, and then you got the cup fixtures you know when you got to play against the big sides well it was always great but also being named captain of that it's a big club, you know, being named captain at, I think I was 25, 26 maybe. And, and to be named captain at that age, I probably didn't appreciate it as much as I would now, you know. Uh, I look back now and I think what an honour it was. I knew it was an honour at the time, but you don't, you, you can reflect on that once it's gone. And, and it's a shame that that's happened, but it was an unbelievable, you know. And, and I'm still known as previous Middlesbrough captain, which is nice, you know, at such a young age. So, yeah, that's definitely probably one of the highlights. Um yeah, it was, it, was, it was a long time there. You know, there's a lot of memories. And the family I live with from the start as well have always got a place in my heart. And um, it's unbelievable. Yeah. But the funny thing is I met a Geordie girl at school in Perth and then took her <laughs> back to Middlesbrough. So, uh, uh, so yeah. there's a story for you as well. So, But her, her dad's a Mackham, isn't he? That's right. Yeah, and there, there's the other side of it as well. So you've got all three <laughs> north and northeast sides. So it's not really a good mix there. We all get along, which is all right. Family dinners at Christmas time would be fun then, wouldn't it? Oh, they all support Australian teams now, so it's all all right. <laughs> I was going to say, your two kids will be confused. They won't know who to support or what to do. 
No, well, one was born. One, one, one Where she is a smoggy, and the other one's from Saudi Arabia. She, she doesn't know what's, what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> so, this is a Newcastle United podcast. Can you remember your times playing against Newcastle? You probably did that a couple of times. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, the, the few times we did play at St. James's as well. And I've got uh, Colaccini's shirt signed as well. Nice. So I swapped with Colaccini at the time, which is, which is a nice one to have. He was good friends with Julio Arca, who was, at us, who was with us. Yeah. And Julio got it, took it to him to get it signed for me. So that was uh, that's a memory that I've got. And also now I still talk every now and then to Stevie Taylor. He was playing out here at Wellington. Uh, I've got photo, messaged him the other day after his retirement, but he'd done well over here. I think he was in India for a bit as well. So he's ventured over here and he, he, he was really successful. Yeah, he's um, quite popular with the Phoenix, I believe. Yeah, yeah. And also James James Chawisi, my teammate now, played played for years. And we actually played against each other uh, for the youth team or reserves way back in the day. And now we're we're playing together again and we're both 33. So it's a... It's been a long way in between, but uh, we'll, we'll come back around again. Football seems like uh, quite a small world at the same time. Is, is it like that? Like you get to know people and you bump into each other again and is that the way yeah, it goes? Yeah, it's like you've never been away. You know, you can not speak to anyone and not see someone for five years and then you bump into them. It's like nothing's changed. Yeah. But I think with football as well, when you've been in successful teams or you've won something with a team, you, you always, it's always a little bit different, you know, and, and, with Jimmy, I've been friends with him for years and years, and with James Choisi, sorry, I've been friends with him for years and years, and then to win something at Victory as well with him was was brilliant. So um, you always hold them probably a bit closer because of what you achieve together. Um, but I'm not one to to text every every week. How are you? How are you doing? You know, every couple of months, if I bump into you, nothing's changed. So that's that's how I like to do it. You were actually linked with Newcastle around the early 2010s. I remember quite clearly. Um, that was must have been the time when you were at your sort of at your peak for Middlesbrough. You were getting linked mm. to a few Premier League clubs. I remember. How can you remember how close a move to Newcastle or to any other Premier League clubs was at that time? Yeah, it was pretty close. You know, not not the Newcastle one. I think the Newcastle one. I think I think it, me and my wife were sat on the couch watching Sky Sports News, and I've just done my Achilles and. And something popped up saying it, they've, they've seen me at St. James's Park and I'm sat on my couch watching it thinking, what, what is going on? So there was just fishing for stuff. But yeah, probably the closest to leaving was, was maybe uh, at a, a few blocks moves to Swansea, Celtic mm. and a few to Owen Coyle. Owen Coyle tried to sign me at a few clubs, three clubs, I think. I don't know how close they got, but I always knew he was a fan because I played under him at Burnley. So... Um, I know he's he's actually told me he tried to sign me a couple of times, so um, I don't know how close they actually got. But a lot of the time, they got they got turned down. You know, there's a, there was a time where I did say like, "What's going on?" And if if, mm. I, if bids are getting rejected, then I, I want to sign a new deal. To I want you to show me how much you you want me to stay. And and they did exactly that, and that's when I became captain as well. So yeah. that was probably the, the the time that that all the interest was coming. Do you do you regret? not moving at the time or do you think that chance to, to move up to the Premier League would have taken you even further perhaps in your career? What, what, what would you think in terms of looking back at it now, whether you sort of jumped at the move before staying at Borough? Hindsight is a wonderful or horrible thing, isn't it? You just, you just don't know. And, you know, I would never say I was desperate to leave or I should have left Middlesbrough because that's, it's not 
it's disrespectful and also I, I enjoyed every minute of that club and I gave my everything for that club but yeah who knows like I said hindsight you know yeah, I think there was a time where even Liverpool and Everton were looking as well and I think every I think the boys used to take the piss out of me because I think I got linked to someone every window so they used to think <laughs> it, they used to think it was my agent doing it so I don't know how much my agent had to do put I don't know how much mates were in the papers but um Obviously, you'd like to think who knows what could have happened. But my goal was to get Middlesbrough to the Premier League um, and I couldn't achieve that at the time. So you, you just never know, you know. It's, it's a tough question. It's, it's, it's an interesting one, actually. I'm, I don't know how to answer it. <laughs> I know that. And that's interesting because I know that Alan Shearer always says that. He just never regrets signing for Newcastle, even though he didn't win anything. He could have gone mm. to Man United he would have won absolutely everything and made them even better. So mm. I think his way of viewing it is just like, what's the point in, make, in regretting anything, you know? You make your decision, yeah. decisions at the time um, yeah. and live by them, I guess, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And, and don't get me wrong, who knows Who knows what could have happened if I, if I moved there, you know? You just, you just don't know. The grass isn't always greener. And I was so happy and comfortable and enjoying my time at Middlesbrough that I didn't see it as a big problem. And I love my time at Middlesbrough. So there's nothing. Yeah. To, to answer your question, no, I don't regret anything because I've, I've had a, good, a pretty all right career in, in, in England. Uh, I'm happy. I can't wait for my son to realize his dad was actually okay, even though I'm still not, I'm, I'm not on his top 10 yet. So um, I'm, working my, I'm working my way up. Has he got well, videos not on at home or you don't put the, you know, your best highlights on YouTube or? Or anything like that? <laughs> they're all they're all in black and white, mate. So I don't know. <laughs> how how did you find Reese? How did you find living and working in the northeast then? Because Middlesbrough and Teesside is a little bit different from Perth in Western Australia. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. <laughs> but saying that, I didn't know any. Uh, I honestly, I didn't know any different because I I left so young. I, my whole adult life was at Middlesbrough, like a. Even still now, I've only had one year in Perth for Perth Glory since I was 15. That was the last time I was home. Yeah, you go back on holidays here and there. But to live there, we stayed there for a year. That was the first time in my adult life, in our adult life, that we'd actually spent an extended time in Perth. So mm-hmm. I didn't know the difference. So Teesside was my home. That's all I knew. It's what I grew up with. I knew the ins and outs of Teesside. When I went home to Perth, I didn't freaking know where my nana lived, you know. So, <laughs> uh, so it shows you just I was there for a long time, and um, I, and I really enjoyed it. How often were you able to get back to Perth when you lived in Middlesbrough? Because obviously it's a twenty-four hour plus flight. Mm. Yeah, when when you when you're sort of a scholar, you know, early early professional years when you're young, they like to get you home for Christmas. So I always got maybe ten days, two weeks back home at Christmas. Uh, and then other than that, it was as soon as the season finished, you know, you're, you're back home and and then you fly back to England a day or two before the season started again. So my 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 holiday was always coming home to Perth, even though it was winter, it's still hotter than Teesside. So that was always a, a walk around in shorts and T-shirt. Everyone was rugged, rugged up and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, got home every now and then. And I had a lot of injuries when I was younger also, so that made that gave me a bit of time back home in my earlier days. Um, the, the older I got and with the injuries, I didn't couldn't really be bothered going home as much anymore. And we, we had our son um, in England as well. So we didn't really feel the need to go back straight away. 
You've touched a bit on the on the injuries there. So how do you as as you get older, do you sort of just learn to deal with them differently? Because do you get do you get down about them? Do you not get as upset the older you get, or how does it work? Because it's tough, you know. Like your whole career depends on staying fit, doesn't it? Really, mm. it's not like other jobs. So I think I think I got asked this the other day, and I said the, the I think they asked me what what's the proudest moment of my career. Probably my footballing career, the proudest moment is coming back for what I've dealt with and, and come back. And now I'm, um, I've I've went down to the bottom and I came all the way back up again. And I've and also you have to look at it like this: there's plenty of people worse off just because I can't play football. Doesn't yeah, it does get you down. But you think about everyone else in the world, and it's not. Mm. It's not you can't really sit around moping about it. At the end of the day, it's a, it's a sore foot, really. Yeah. And some <laughs> some people don't have food; they don't have water, and I got a sore foot. So that's the way I start, started to look at it. And and now, even when people start getting injured and my friends get injured, I'll message them straight away and say, "Enjoy this time with family," you know, because when you're injured, there's no pressure. You know, mm. you, you, there's no pressure on you to perform, no pressure on your your diet, no pressure on you know training you know you don't have these all these little things you need to stress about so in a way being injured you you have to enjoy that that normal life for a bit and that's that's mm. one thing i'll say to long-term injury long-term injuries you just have to enjoy that time with your family because once you come back you know it's work mode back on and everything for everything mm. has to be perfect to make sure you perform on a weekend so in terms of your international career, Reese, so you played for <laughs> Wales and under twenty ones. I think Williams yep. is a pretty Welsh Welsh surname. But you played and Reece. for and Reese as well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But but you played for the Australia senior team. Mm-hmm. So was there ever a point where you had to make a choice between because you were eligible for England as well, I assume. So was there ever a choice yeah. point you had to make that choice between these three countries? Or was it just dependent on the timing completely, or did you always want to represent Australia senior? Oh, well, this is a funny one as well. The first, the first ones who actually showed interest in me were England. Um, so my first year pro, first year scholarship at, at, um, at Middlesbrough, I was doing really well. And I don't know if you know David, Dave Parnaby, his big name at Middlesbrough, was, was a youth team coach there. And he, and he approached me and said, look, I've put your name forward for it for England. England mm. under 16, 17, whatever it was at the time. And I was like, wow, it's unbelievable. If you probably look at the players my age now come, that have played there, it's, it was an amazing feeling. But um, that never eventuated. And so then Australia were were a bit funny with picking players abroad. Obviously, they don't get to see you play and the travel's a long way and it didn't really need to be travelling away from a club for long periods of time when the Australian national team played outside of uh, FIFA windows at the time. Mm. So Wales came in, Brian Flynn, really, really popular, popular fella, uh, approached me about the 21s and, and said, we'd love to get you down. My granddad was Welsh. Um, so we could, we could, we can get you in on, on them. So I went down, absolutely fell in love with it. You know, I had a brilliant side, Bale, Ramsey, yeah. um, yeah. Wayne Hennessy, uh, Joe, Le- Joe Ledley was a little bit older. Um, so we had some really positive names and that was just when Aaron Ramsey was coming through as well and it was a really enjoyable time and, and we, we got all the way, th- we had a really successful um, uh, tournament, I think, not, not tournament, like qualifying yeah. period and, and I absolutely loved it. It got to a point where I was doing well and, and I sat on the bench for, for the Welsh 
national team, you know, the first team yeah. in a friendly. And and it was at that point when the national anthem came on and I just thought, it's a funny feeling, you know, I, I appreciate everything that they've done for me, giving me the chance and playing for mm. them. But at the end of the day, I, I'm not Welsh. And mm. I think that sort of sunk in when I hit the first team. You know, under-21s is fine. You're still a yeah. kid. You can still, you know, just enjoy playing football internationally. Um, yeah. But when to get to the first team, it gets serious and, yeah, I got to that point when the national anthem came on and sat on the bench. And, and luckily that day, luckily, unluckily, I didn't get on that day. And after that, that's when I had a chat with, I think, my family and my agent. I said, look, it felt weird being on the bench. I don't, I don't feel like it's my country. It's mm. not my country. I want to play for Australia. And um, so I changed. Um, and as soon as I changed, I got called up to the national team and, and we qualified for the World Cup. So... Um, at the time, I was happy with my decision. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, I, I'm Australian. My family's Australian. Uh, my background's Australian. I grew up in Australia up until 15. So mm. for me, I, I wanted to play for the, my country of birth. So how does this work? Did you just ring the Australian manager and said, hey, I'm here now. I'm available. How does, it, how does that no, work? That's what, that's what agents are for. You, know? <laughs> you put it out on the paper. You, you get your agent to, to make a bit of bit of bit of fuss about you and, and call the right people and yeah. yeah. Well, as soon as I changed, you know, I, I was playing um, I was playing the championship at Burnley and we're getting we're sitting in the top six. It's the year we actually got promoted to the Prem, so I was actually in a really yeah. good place at that time. And um, I, I was I was in a lot of squads of part of the I wasn't part, but I seen a lot of the golden generation as they call it for the national team and and to. The Vadukas, the Kules, the Kales, and, and I was part of that, and um, yeah. it was it was amazing to, to be a part of that at such a young age. And like you said, you look back now and and you appreciate it more now than you do than you do at the time. So yeah. um, that was the way forward for me. I want to ask you quickly about Gareth Bale. How how good was mm-hmm. he? Amazing, but also like you 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 see how good of a player he is, but also what, what a, what a great person, you know, and I, I think that outweighs more about being a good person than a good footballer. Mm. You know, I think you will get a lot further in life if you're a good person. Mm. Um, and he certainly was. Um, and it was a pleasure to play alongside him. My son's actually got a Real Madrid shirt with, with Bale's name on the back signed with mm. my son's name on. So he signed it to my son, brilliant. which is, which is brilliant. So he had him in on FIFA a few times. That's how he knows all of his players. Now, my son, so, <laughs> Yeah, I think he appreciates that shit. It's actually good to hear about his personality because you don't really you hear that about him, do you? You always hear about um, his golfing talents and the um, golf, yeah. <laughs> but to hear that he's a good person is is actually good to hear because he looks like it. But you, you just get these media that come out and yeah, hang shit on you, you really. Know. You know, you say yeah, you don't exactly. know it. No, no, yeah, don't have a clue. Exactly. No, t- top gentleman, and uh, I had the pleasure to play alongside him for Wales, and and we, and we got fairly close there. You know, I haven't mm. spoke to him for for a good time, you know, for for plenty of years, but I'm just so pleased to see him doing well. So your last cap for Australia was 2013, I think it was. I think you retired. No, you tell me, man. I'm not. Yeah, sure. yeah. I'm not sure. <laughs> I looked. I looked at it, yeah. So and it, and I found out that you actually retired in 2019, but then you said earlier this year that you would reconsider if you got called up again or if there was interest? Um, I wouldn't say I, I retired. I, I pulled my name out unless they really needed me. Um, I think I was in I was in Saudi at the time. I was, I was doing really well. I was probably playing some of my best football and, and I was always um, on the verge of getting called up, you know, always, always on the standby list and always just missing out. So 
Um, I was 31 at the time, and I just thought, look, if, if it's not going to happen now, then then I'll take my name out the hat because that was all I was worried about. You know, every time the national team came out, I was thinking, am I in? Am I in? And it was mm. and it was getting in my head a little bit. So um, I've got a young family as well, and the national team it does take a lot of you go away for for a lot of time, you know, and the breaks now are great for family times. And I just thought it was the right time. I mean, the the boss at the time's got players that he likes ahead of me, and that, and that's fine. You know, football's game a game of opinions, and and that's his opinion. So it's hard to change it. But I've never said I don't want to play. You know, if, if they if he rang me tomorrow and said we need you. Of course, I'd go straight away. It's not something that I would I would have to think about either. I'd, I'd snap the hands off to go again. Um, and the one thing about pulling my name out of the hat is my son never got to see me play for my country, which is mm. which is something that I that, that I have to live with. Um, but I'll have to back my own decision. And you know, it, it might still come. You know, you, there might be uh, twelve injuries to centre halves, and you just don't know. <laughs> Well, big, uh, Harry, no. big Harry's out. Big Harry's out now for a while. So um... yeah, so there's one. So we got eleven more. Yeah, <laughs> well, we can make it part of our, uh, our, our mission to call on Graham Arnold to to get Reese back in the national team. How's that? Let's just exactly. Uh, right. I think I think I think perform. I think performances will dictate that as well. You know, that's why I've I've came back. I want to get my name in in, in the lights again, and you know, out of sight, out of mouth, out of, out of mind in Saudi and. To come back now, and we've we've had a, a fairly decent start, and, and myself, I've, I've I've been okay. I've got a long way to go, but it's good to be. Um, it's good that people, my family and, and friends can can watch me again. Just just around the 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 World Cup, missing out on the World Cup a couple of times due to due to injury. Mm-hmm. At at the time, did you think, oh, I'll, I'll get an, I'll get the next one, I'll get the next one, and then the next one happened, and. The same thing happened. How, how did you feel cursed? Did you feel this is not going to happen for me, or what? 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 What did you go through back back then? Well, I'm trying to break that curse because even at victory as well, you know, like when it came to finals or big games, for some reason, yeah. out of my control, I just seemed to miss them, and I don't know why. And it happens to me. It's happened to me a good few times where I always miss the big ones, whether my loan doesn't permit it. Um, so we made the um, the playoff final. To, to go to the Prem at Wembley. Malone finished the day before the game, you know, so it's it's stuff like that. So Malone finished, the victory won, I got injured. Um, South Africa World Cup, I, I played on an injury the whole the whole year. So I went over and I was struggling and they gave me the chance to get over there and, and prove my fitness and I couldn't, you know, I broke down while I was in South Africa. I was only young at the time, I think I was 21 maybe. So it didn't hurt me as much, but like you said, you say, oh, I'll get the next one. Then the next one came, and in the in the January, I think I was, I think it was January, I got injured because I was about to go to Swansea at the time. Um, we'd agreed a deal and everything to go to Swansea. And my last game for the club, I, I ruptured my Achilles, and I thought I might be able to make it. I went and see, I had surgery straight away. He said, "Look, some players, a rugby player, got back in three months, so it's not impossible." So I went, "Brilliant, that's my target." And this was for the Brazil World Cup under Ange Postecoglou, and. I was part of his leadership group, which I was really surprised with. When he came in, he, he had all the big names in, you know, Mike Milligan, Tim Cale, mm. Lucas Neal was there at the time, and, and myself. And I thought he just got my name mixed up, you know. I was <laughs> with the big boys. So that was a surprise. And um, I played his first game under him, uh, started at centre-back, which I didn't really play much for the national team until until later on. So, um, so then Brazil came around and, and I'd done my Achilles and... I tried to get back a bit too soon. I took my boot off, went on the bike, 
on the exercise bike to get my legs moving. Went to stand up to adjust the seat on my feet and I heard a little, a little noise again. So it sort of went again. So that was a year injury. Um, and that one, the Brazil one, probably hurt me the most. So then you move on to the next one. So the Russian one was a weird one because that was the year I was at victory. I got yep. in team of the year. I had probably one of my most successful seasons ever. And for some unbeknown reason, I didn't even make a 50-man shortlist. So no one really knows about this except for my agent, really, and, and my family and friends. But um, I didn't even make the 50 because I was waiting for an email. With all due respect, I had a really good season, playing center half, team of the season, played every single game except for the, the two at the end. But after, like, I was fine, you know, I was, I was, I was fine. Um, and then I didn't make the 50. Um, so that was a real kick in the teeth for me. And from then, I just thought I was fighting a bit of a, a losing battle, you know. So um, that one that one hurt, but probably not as much as Brazil. Was there any explanation at all get coming forward or no, they didn't even let you know why um, you weren't in part of the 50? No, like I said, the, uh, football's, football's about opinions, you know, but the strange thing was at the time, it was when Marwick took over. I think Marwick Bert, took yeah, that World Bert. Cup. So he didn't yeah. know anyone and I got team of the year, so I don't know where he's got his information from and but honestly i'd never hold a grudge you know it's one of them where it's 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 an opinion game whether he might have seen me and not liked me i don't know or whether he had someone watching me and didn't like me i who knows like it's nothing that i'll it, it's something that did hurt but ultimately it's it's out of my control and there's nothing i could do yeah i remember being because um, my brother-in-law is a bit like dimmy he's a mad victory fan and i hear everything about yeah. victory and um, that year was all about how good you were and, oh, you've got to make the national team and this and that. And mm. yeah, it was a surprise. So I do recall it at the time. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was a strange yeah. one, you know, for, for what, it, what it gave to the A-League that year and the season. We ended up winning as well. And you think, well, surely there's a, you know, there's a bit of leeway, you know. Even if I wasn't even that good, just put me in because I won something, you know. But ah, it's just, it is what it is. And um, like I keep saying, football is opinions and you can't you yeah. can't be everyone's cup of tea. You'll have been watching Postacoglu at Celtic with a bit of interest, I guess. How do you think, Did you, were you surprised you got that job? How do you think that's going to go for him? I wasn't, I wasn't. You know, his, his ability as a manager is, is, is unbelievable. But he was a bit unknown and, and an Aussie to be in such a big job was, mm. it seemed a bit far away, but, we all knew what he what he can do. He done it with the national team. He done it with victory. He done it in in Japan. He, he, everywhere he's been, he's been successful. For this. so, there's no surprise that someone would take. Probably people would look at it as a punt, but if you know him, it's not a punt. Mm. And for the way that he's doing, and then the way he is, and the way he plays, and it, it's it's no surprise the accolades he's getting now, and the media attention, and everyone's starting to, to stand up and take notice, and it's brilliant for him, he, and he deserves everything because because he's he's a great manager, a great person, and he's very successful, and um, I'm, I'm sure the Celtic fans love having him there. I'm sure the league does, and 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 he's he's, he's doing a good job, and he's only going to get better. He developed yeah. the Raw Salona, didn't he? Have a he did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he did. <laughs> I hear about that team living in Brisbane, yeah. He's obviously well, very well thought of here. Well, they're unbeaten in 30, I think 31 or 32 games unbeaten. And the football that they played back then was completely foreign to what we're used to in the National League. I mean, there was great teams. Obviously, Victory had a great team, but we weren't playing that sort of football. The, the Barcelona-esque 
ticky tacker mm. that he brought in and the intensity that he he made Brisbane at was was something to behold. And class, yeah. like Reese said, like Reese said, for him to go now to Celtic and sort of start to implement that, they're starting to see, geez, this guy's got real progressive ideas and he's he's taken the club somewhere. It's it's great to see. Before we move on to um, you move back to Australia, Reese, you've actually met one of mm-hmm. us before. You might not remember this. You probably don't. But Bobby there. Uh, has actually met you before. Tell your story, Bobby. Yes. Yeah, so, um, <laughs> I'm interested in, in this. Yeah. Where were <laughs> we? Story. It's a good story considering how um, you know you were at Middlesbrough. So my best mate's a Borough fan. Um, his dad's born and bred um, Middlesbrough man, and we did a football tour uh, in 2011. And so the first game we went and saw was Middlesbrough v Millwall, and, and you were playing actually. Um, Middlesbrough scored two goals in a one-one draw that day. Um, he scored an own goal. Me, was it? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, he scored an own goal. And um, I always remember it because you were the Aussie. I came, I was actually enjoying coming to watch because you and Scotty McDonald were there. So I was happy. And we actually met at the end of the game just before you guys were going to the car park out there. Yeah. And so oh, we, wow. screamed out, we screamed out. And I think you and Scotty turned around and go, Is that Aussies we, we're seeing? And <laughs> said good day, and we, me and my mate had introduced ourselves, and I think it was you or it was Scotty McDonald said, "What the fuck are you doing here? You know, what are you doing?" Watching <laughs> <the football play?" laughs> yeah, exactly. Wow, what a story! Story, unbelievable. And I said, "Oh no, we're on a football tour, guys. We're you know we're going to watch you guys, and he's a Borough fan, and then we're going to Newcastle mm-hmm. on Thursday." And both of you at the same time went, oh, yeah, go check out Newcastle. It's a Ripper City and Ripper Stadium. The pubs and bars are not bad around there either, are they? Yeah, so I have met you before and, like, just, you know, great to speak to a couple of Aussies playing in the Premier League or Championship. It's weird, how, it's weird yeah. how this has come all the way back around. Now I'm sat here talking to you on a podcast. At our first podcast, I told that story. We didn't even think of having you on the podcast and here you are. So. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> Jesus. Football, small. We were saying before, it's a small kind of world, isn't it? You bump into people. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, and and you know what I say to a lot of people: you can't burn bridges in football because you don't know who's when it's going to come back around and bite you in the ass. So that's what I'm trying to t- trying to teach young kids now. That was part one of our two part special with Reese Williams. In part two, we talked to Reese about his current club, the Western Sydney Wanderers. We asked him about his hopes for the season, his time in Saudi Arabia his days with Melbourne Victory, and we get his thoughts on football in Australia. As well as asking the question everyone wants to know the answer to, just how did he cultivate such a magnificent beard? Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube, follow us on Twitter at ToonUnderPod, and keep an eye on our website, ToonUnder.com, for plenty more Newcastle United and Australia football content.